Hey, how are you guys? All right, welcome to House Party Week number three. We are having a great series. Glad you guys are here. I'm Jeff Murphy, and I'm one of our pastors. Let's do this real quick. Let's welcome all our first-time guests and, 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 and everyone online watching right now. Let's give those guys a shout-out. So good to have you guys this morning. So we've had a lot of fun with this series. This series has uh, been basically geared to help us understand a little why behind the what of why we do what we do as a church. Um, if you're a guest here, uh, you actually are in a sweet spot this morning because you get to kind of hear why we do what, do what we do. So if you're checking things out, you get, you get to know uh, firsthand what that is. And uh, last week, uh, we covered a topic that was pertinent uh, to this subject because it's so valuable for us to grasp that if we're going to be the church, we're not supposed to be consumers, we're contributors. So we talked about that last week. And really this whole idea of house party uh, is derived from the idea that we believe that a guy who predicted his death went and got dead and rose back from the dead and came back to life. Uh, We believe that the reason that we would say that this series uh, entitled House Party is valuable is because that every week we believe that because Jesus died, rose from the dead, we ought to be celebrating every week. This ought to be a place every weekend and all throughout the week that brings life, uh, that is life-giving, and it really is an encouragement and a help to people to find their way back to God. So this week, we're going to give some more why behind the what, and we're going to look at, uh, look at a different idea today. We're going to look at why is it really important for us as a church to really go after people who are far from God, like the messy, distant, unchurched, we, we could say lost, not saved. Why is that valuable for us to do, and why is that important for us in our own spiritual growth, our own spiritual development? Well, Jesus, uh, in Mark chapter 2, was catching some heat, had some people running up against uh, his idea of what the point and purpose was. There was some confusion all this on this subject, and Jesus wanted to bring some clarity. So in Mark chapter 2, Jesus jumps in, uh, and they were asking him, why do you eat with these sinners? Why do you hang out with these messy people, Jesus? Don't you realize that there's better things to do? There's options. There's more formidable, better, more important things to do. And so Jesus paused, and he addresses this, and I think this is crucial for us as a church as we are in like year eight and some change, looking at how do we move forward, what's valuable for us. We could do a whole lot of other things, but what's the most important thing? Jesus addresses this. Mark chapter 2, verse 17, he says, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, so he pauses, hey, here's a teachable moment, let's educate some folks. So he says, is it not the healthy who need a doctor? Like, come on. Come on, people. You guys that are religious, you're busting my chops. You're trying to kind of misconstrue some things here. And he just makes a very point, a very pointed statement. Is it not the healthy who need a doctor? No, it's the sick. The sick people need a doctor. And then he says this statement. He said, I have not come to call the righteous or the already saved. The people have already found relationship with me. I've come so people who were sinners could know me. Now, that, that is uh, essentially our whole purpose as a church wrapped up in that statement. Uh, in fact, uh, if you've been around here for any length of time, you know our mission statement, our, 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 our marching orders 
is, is helping people, and if you know it, with, know it, say it with me, helping people what? Find their way back to God. And we talk about this often because it just helps us with staying on point. You guys know, even as a family, organizations, the army, at your workplace, how easy it is to start over time forgetting what your point is. I mean, it's like a golf shot. You can hit it, and over time it's just going to drift. At least mine does. It always kind of shanks left, highlights things right. But in any organization, including our own families, if we don't know our mission, if we don't know our purpose, it is so easy to lose our way. And when you lose your way, you really start forgetting your mission. What happens is everything starts to fall apart. Everything starts to crumble. If you're not on task, if you're not moving forward towards that common goal, that common mission, you can get things really lopsided really quickly. So Jesus addresses this. And I love this because essentially what he says is the entire reason for why we started our church. Just a few weeks ago, uh, we had what we've now coined Staff Starbucks. Uh, we're on occasion uh, just having like a, a, a all staff, church staff, paid employee staff of our church meeting at a Starbucks late on a Sunday night and just hanging out and just goofing off and just reconnecting, just, you know, enjoying each other. And we were hanging out not long ago, and I, I was reminded of one of the most powerful God stories that happened within one of our staff persons prior before they were on staff of what God did done in their life. And, and it's our own Elliot Vote. If you guys know Elliot, Elliot and uh, his wife Bethany are sweet, 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 wonderful people. But before they were like serious Christ followers, before they were believers, man, they had some stuff going on in their world. When we first met them as a church, they first started coming and they were divorced. They sat in different sides of this little auditorium, uh, child involved, uh, uh, some jail time involved. I mean, their life was a mess. Stuff was just jacked up, right? And as a church, we wanted every person like a Bethany and Elliot, as they walked through the doors of the church, we wanted them to feel like this was a place that would allow you to show up. You wouldn't have to check your junk at the door. You could come on in with all of it, and you could be messy with the rest of us. Why? Because that was our point, to help you find your way back to God. Well, lo and behold, I mean, God grabbed their hearts, uh, grew them. They were remarried. I got to do their wedding. And lo and behold, years later, Elliot's on our staff and one of our most valuable teammates. And that's just, that's just a picture of what's happened all over the place in our church. In fact, here's what's crazy. In the last, we're pushing nine years of age in January, in, in nine years, we will see a, a total of, of around 2,500 people that have bowed the knee and made Jesus the leader and forgiver of their life. That's, that's crazy. So that's a whole lot of messiness in one place. That's a whole lot of finding your way back to God. That's what's happened around here, and that's the stories I love. And that's why we do what we do. We do that because we want to connect people to Jesus. Now, I wasn't always a part of a church like this. Uh, I grew up in church, and I loved my church. It was, it was all I ever knew until I got in college and I got older, and, and I kind of went through some wayward, wayward, wayward days uh, and stages in my life. And when I started finding my way back to God, uh, when I kind of realized I needed to, to uh, you know, get my life serious, uh, I needed to have some purpose, I needed to marry a good girl, 
that's when I got to know Christy, um, my beautiful bride. Um, I started coming back to God. During that time, I started inviting some friends with me to go to church. I was getting fired up myself, and man, I was listening to these messages, and I was like, wow, this isn't awesome. I wish my friends were here. So I'd invite them to church. I remember one of the times I invited my friends to church, they all rolled up in there. We sat in the back row, and I sat with my buddies. I was on the end, and there were about five or six guys next to me. And I remember one of the guys walked up and tapped me on the shoulder and whispered in my ear. He said, hey, you guys will have to leave. You'll have to come back when they get the proper attire on. And I was like, oh, bad week to bring my buddies to church. So we had to leave until these guys got the proper attire. And I'm looking them up, and I'm like, what's wrong with they got what they have on? They all had hats on. Like, oh, man, that's terrible. Forgot the old hat in the rule church. And I'm like, well, that's kind of awkward, right? And so I remember after we got married, Chris and I would bring friends to church or try to invite people to church. And I remember this one guy that I was always, always wanting to invite to church. It was my next-door neighbor. His name was Jack. He was a guy that I really connected with. We we hung out together. He's one of those neighbors that we, like, our kids goofed off together. We rode ATVs. We mountain biked. We did some turkey hunting. We, we, this guy loved outdoors, and I liked that guy. I loved doing outdoor stuff. And so Jack was one of those guys that I'm like, man, if anybody's going to connect and reach Jack, it's going to be me because we're friends. But every week we'd go to church, I couldn't get Jack to show up. But every week I'd be in church, and I'd be listening to a message, and I'm thinking, man, this is a perfect message. Or finally, I got Jack to show up. I got another buddy to show up one time. And you ever have one of those weeks where they show up and it's all of a sudden it's crazy church Sunday? Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden you're like, couldn't it have just been the week before? I mean, everything was clicking. But this week you got like, you got weird tambourine, tambourine lady up here. And she's like, she's like, oh, no, not the handbell lady, but the tambourine lady. I mean, you got weird church Sunday. Or it's the week that you show up. My kids thought that was hilarious. They're mocking me. They're mocking me. I have no dance moves. Um, it's the week all of a sudden your guests show up and the preacher's preaching on giving. And it's like this hardcore message like you're going to die and go to hell if you don't get to the church. You know about those weeks? They never happen around here like that, right? I mean, you ever had those weeks? You're bringing guests and all of a sudden it's like the worst Sunday they could show up, right? Some of your guests are here today and I'm talking about guests. Uh, last hour, everyone introduced their guests on the way out. They said, hey, this is my guest. Wanted you to meet him today. But, I, but, but this is what I love about our church. We are committed. We are committed to making Sunday mornings this radical celebration for people who are far from God. And the question is, if we don't do that, who else will? See, I think Jesus had the same rub. There were people questioning what his point and his purpose was. And he cleared that up by saying, it's not the well, the healthy that need a doctor, it's the sick. The truth of the matter is, everybody that I know is messy. Everybody I know, at one point or another, has one of those, my wife calls it, a Jerry Springer moment. Right? Where all of a sudden, truthfully, we're all one step away from doing something really stupid and being on his show. Right? I know he's not in, in syndication any longer, but we're all one step away from a moment like that. So truthfully, we're all finding our way back to God, but our church's focus, let's just be 100% clear, is to leverage our stories for somebody else's forever. 
See, our mind, our efforts are on the people who are far, far from God because that's what Jesus wanted us to do. And so what we do is we try to make Sunday mornings very, uh, very serious in our efforts to how we communicate, how we connect, and everything we do for the persons who are far from God. So that's what we're doing. So, um, and, and, and here's essentially, years ago we had this strategy, we had this kind of mindset that we said even prior to this serious house party that when people came into our house, it was our church house, it's very similar to how people would come into your house. So say, say you had guests come into your house, uh, you would get your house ready, you'd have, you know, the meal prepared, you'd have, you know, the house, you know, right, you know, to have the AC on, you'd have the beds made, probably not going to your bedroom, but you'd have everything tidied up, right? So when a guest comes to your house, normally when they ring your doorbell, it's ringing your doorbell at the front door, right? Most likely. I mean, you know, if you know people, they go through the garage, right? We just leave our garage door up when it's our friends coming over, and they just can walk on in. But for our guests, we're like, ah, we don't want them to see the garage. Shut that door, make them go through the front, And what is the very first mini room that people walk into when they come into your house? What's it called? Before the living room. It's a foyer, right? And what happens in the foyer? You open the door. You greet them. You take their coat. You take anything they're carrying. You hang it up for them. And you welcome them on in. See, here's here's what, what we've evaluated. Our church is just like that. The front door to our church is our foyer. We still believe that one of the best front doors for our church is Sunday mornings. It is the best place for you to invite a first-time guest. Now, we have other foyers in our church. This is not the only one. Our small groups are a great foyer. We have so many people that find their way back to God, get connected, both new in the faith and grow in their faith in small groups. Small groups are great foyers, and they're also great living rooms. So once you go into the foyer, after the foyer, you get in the, the living room. But we would never want to invite our guests to not walk through the front door in the foyer or have them skip the foyer and walk around to the back of the house and go in the kitchen, right? That's not what guests do. That's the rest of us. And that's what we talked about last week. Last week we talked about the fact that, hey, we're supposed to be the ones that are kind of like serving things up in the kitchen. We're the ones that are answering the door. We're the ones that are taking the coat and making sure the AC, making sure everything's primed and ready for our guests, that's the kitchen role. That's, that's where, honestly, you know who has the most fun? The people in the kitchen, right? They're the one making the food. They're the one snacking on all the food, right? If I'm ever cooking or barbecuing, I've eaten half the food before it comes out, right? But the point is, our guests, we want them to be treated incredibly well. And it's our role to set the stage, to set the table, and to set that up. So they'd walk through the foyer, we could move them in the living room, and eventually they could play a role like you and I are and serve and be a part of the kitchen. But that's kind of been our mindset. And so Jesus speaks to all this. He kind of educates, he kind of corrects, kind of helps people understand what's the point. But then he, then he tells this amazing story. It's actually earlier in this passage. So if you've got your Bible, in Mark chapter 2, verse 1, this is where this story comes home. And I want to give you two quick points out of this as we unpack this story. So, in Mark chapter 2, verse 1, a few days later, when Jesus entered, or again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered 
then in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. So here's a house. Jesus is showing up. He showed up, and everybody's like, Jesus is here, Jesus is here. Oh, my gosh, awesome. Let's go hear him. And people are just slammed, standing room only so much so they're now standing outside. So all of a sudden, some men come, and they bring Jesus a paralyzed man, or they try to bring Jesus this paralyzed guy. Uh, But because of the crowd, they had to make an opening in the roof above Jesus and dig through the roof and and lowering the man uh, on a mat uh, that was lying on it down to Jesus. And it says, when Jesus saw their what? Their faith. When Jesus saw their faith, and I, I think he probably saw their faith. I think he recognized their effort. I think he recognized these guys were going to stop at nothing to get their buddy to Jesus. He was like, okay, because these guys, their effort, their desire, their faith, their momentum, their, I mean, I'm going to do what? He says, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, that's a good day, right? I mean, you you, you bring a messy guy to your house, your church, and all of a sudden, they walk out going, this was awesome. Thank you so much for bringing me. Wow, I needed that. And sometimes, here's what happens. Sometimes people, first-time guests will come to our church, and they'll be like, cool, I like it, I'll come back. Hey, that's a win, right? That's a win, get in there, come back. Then there's days, like this morning, we had seven or eight people said, I need Jesus in my life. That happened this morning. On a day we're talking about guests, right? They were guests. And they're like, I need Jesus today. That's a, that's a great day, that's a win. We had people that brought guests today give me the wink like, good job, preacher. Way to get it done, all right? And, but, you know, we played a role in that. We did that. We each played our role. People that walked out this morning, give me the wink, give me the nod, introducing their friends, they were consuming, they were contributing, as we talked about last week. So the, 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 what happens here is what we have coined a phrase and or some shared values that we put out on this outside wall. If you ever walked out, look back at this wall, we've got nine shared values of our church, things that we say are non-negotiables, important stuff that we've written out are just, hey, these are some things that we, we, we go all in for. And so I wrote one of these down for today. Uh, and this is what I'm talking about today. This is called unconventional. And I believe our church does unconventional well. And what we mean by that is this. We are traditional in belief. We are traditional in belief, but untraditional in practice. So if you ever notice our church, I mean, we're traditional. I mean, we're simple. We, 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 we keep things very, very simple. We don't get into debates. We don't, we don't get into, like, weird, crazy stuff. We just point you to God's Word. I don't try to tell you, listen, what I say I don't try to get you to follow me. You know, we, we're always saying, hey, we're one of the pastors on staff. We had someone a few years ago, they're like, are you the pastor or not? Like, who is, right? Why? Because it's not important. We want to point people to this truth and keep it as simple as it is. Read it, do it, live by it, and it will be awesome, right? So, so we are traditional in belief, untraditional in practice. I, I notice we have a little haze maker going on up here. Right? I, I can barely see half of you. There's still haze up in the room. Why do we haze people in church? Right? Don't tweet that I just said it like that, okay? All right? Why, why, why is our music so loud? Right? Why do they offer earplugs 
out at the, the VIP connections desk. I mean, this is a little bit odd, especially for Columbus, Georgia, right? Why is it so dim when you walk in when there's music, right? So we, we do some things that are unconventional, that are, that are untraditional. Why? Because we're trying to connect with people far from God. Because we're trying to make Sunday mornings a celebration and help people who are giving God and His church one last try. We want them to feel like you can come. You don't have to check your junk at the front door. You can come and show up and meet Jesus, and we'll remove the barriers. So, um, so unconditional, traditional in practice, but get this. We will do anything short of sin to remove barriers and reach people far from God. Why? Why? Because we really do care for people who are far from God. We really do care. That matters to us. So last week, you notice I had you rate you on something. Uh, I had you rate if how much you felt like you might be consuming versus contributing. So I, I got the same thing listed in your notes today. Just to kind of help us just be honest with where we're at. Could it be that maybe God has an area in your life he wants to spur on? He wants to challenge you for a little bit of growth. And, and, and I always, every week, want you to take one spiritual step, whether it's big or small. Every week, something spiritual where, where if God's pricking your heart, you say okay to and you step further into the water. So here's the question today. Where do you think you land on your passion, your desire for helping people find their way, way back to God? Uh, are you apathetic? You're like, ah, eh, just, I don't buy it. I'm not into it. I'm not there spiritually. Or I just not, I don't want to play a role in that. All right? If that's you, we're gonna, we, you could say you're a two but not a one. We're going to leave one to the, like, the devil himself, okay? Because he's completely opposite of the other end of helping people find their way back to God and being extremely passionate about that. And let's, like last week, let's not say you're a ten because that would be Jesus himself, all right? The, the one who gave his life on a cross and rose from the dead. And if anybody, again, like last week, you have the, the smallest amount of confusion, if you're a 10, just whisper in the person's ear next to you and ask them if they think you're Jesus, and that will be cleared up, okay? All right? So no one's a 1, no one's a 10, but let me just tell you what uh, 7 to 9 might look like, all right? If you're very passionate. It could mean that you've led someone to Christ recently, maybe in this last week. Maybe, maybe God connected you with someone who was going through a difficult time, and it was exactly what you had gone through, and somehow God just gave you the words, or that person was ripe and ready, and you, and they bowed the knee, maybe physically, maybe mentally, and like, hey, I need Jesus, and that you helped them find their way back to God. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe even over your lifetime, you've, you've helped several people find their way back to God. Uh, maybe you pray for people that you know who are far from God, that they would, they would, they would meet Jesus. Maybe you invite friends to church. Maybe you're, you get excited when, like, you find out, hey, we're doing this Unshaken series coming up. I, I think it's going to be one of those kind of, like, series that's going to be, like, really, really pertinent where they roll out the red carpet like they do on Easter where the pastor stands up, which we do, and say, hey, we won't embarrass you. We're gonna, it's going to be awesome. Bring your friends, right? Maybe, you, maybe, you, maybe you're the type that you, you invite your friends to church. Um, and, and, or maybe, maybe you really, really do live with inter- eternity in your mind. Like, like knowing that this home is not our home. 
None of us end up here. We end up in heaven someday. And you live in light of a bigger picture than just this little earth and this, this amount of time that we have on it. So let's just say if that's you, you're a seven, eight, or nine, right? And I would just say, awesome. But if that's not where you're at, maybe you're further lower on that scale. Maybe just today God will open your mind up to somebody he wants to connect with you that you point him to Christ. And maybe you don't have the words. Maybe you're getting to understanding how to communicate. But maybe you, you, you just say, hey, I want to bring you to church some week. I want you to show up. I'm going to pray it's the right week, not the crazy lady week, okay, with the tambourine, okay, not that one, all right? So, so here's the thing. I want to give you two things out of this passage that we're going to unpack real quickly. Two things that, um, that, we would, that we ought to be always doing if we're really passionate about helping people find their way back to God. If you want to help people find their way back to God, if you want to lock arms with this church, you want to charge to the top of the hill, and, and, and if, you're, if you want to grow in this passion of, hey, we want every man, woman, and child in this city to meet Jesus, here's two things that, that I think would be paramount for you to do and to know. All right? First one's this. If you're going to help people find their way back to God, your, your best method is, number one here, bear some burdens. Bear some burdens. Um, Mark 2, 3 says this. Some men came bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Here's the thing. People are skeptical today, right? We can't do like, uh, you know what a drive-by shooting is? We've, we've heard of them. Hope you've not been a part of one. Actually, we have a guy in our church that was a part of one last year, been in court over this whole last year. But in the very same way, drive-by shootings are just kind of like distant and, you know, wrong and stupid and terrible. There are Christian drive-by witnessing tactics, right? Where, where people like drive-by like, hey, Jesus loves you, and they just keep cruising. And you're like, that joker's weird, right? <laughs> but I know so many people, but that's, that's kind of how we do it, right? And the point is, and this is an old saying, people don't know how much you care. People don't know, people don't care what you know until they know how much you, what, care. That's an old statement, but it's so true. People are skeptical today, and they don't care how much you know until you dive in and you bear some burdens with them, right? It doesn't, it doesn't really work if you just, your friend's going through a difficult time, and you've made a connection, your friends, and you text them, you say, hey, bro, I'm really sorry. I mean, that's kind. That might be a first base step, but you know what you should do? You should go where they're at, and you should just cry with them a little bit. You should just go worry with them a little bit. You should just go suffer with them a little bit. As they're suffering, you should go connect with them. See, people don't care how much you know. They don't care if you can recite John 3.16 until they really know that you care about them. See, Christians, we've got this kind of backwards, man. We want to shout stuff out. We want to, like, hold signs up. We want to wear bracelets and T-shirts. That's all fine and well. But they don't care until you bear some burdens with them. This last few weeks, my family have been uh, tracking with uh, one of my neighbors, uh, Matt Probst. Some of you guys know Matt Probst. He's a Harris County uh, high school kid that I knew in high school. Um, Justin Probst, you know, Justin helped us start this church. Justin's older brother. Um, I've been going through some 
terrible cancer. Matt's been going through some terrible, terrible cancer. Um, thought he was gonna 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 get out of the the, the, the worst part of it. Uh, after he had some surgery, thought it went well, and then all of a sudden came back with a vengeance. Vengeance. Uh, and they told him that they might come pro- prolong his life for another 24 months if they took his entire jaw off and cut out the rest of his tongue. And he just said, uh, no, I don't want to do that. So they said, all right, so your next option is let's try to build up your immunity and maybe hit you with the hardest chemo we can in six months from now. Well, that was, that was a report like three weeks ago. And then last week, his neck swelled up so bad with all the cancerous, was it tumors? In his, in his throat and his neck, and they started rupturing inside, so much so that he coughed so much blood that they had to rush him to the hospital, and he lost so much blood. His wife said that it looked like a horror show, and I'm not trying to be gross, but I'm just giving you some perspective, like a horror show, like he would have thrown up enough to fill up a whole bathtub. And um, so what's crazy is I'm his neighbor. I've known him since he was young. He, he's, he's attended our church on and off for years. He's a guy that, I, that God has on my heart. I like this guy. I love this guy. I, want, I really want him to, to fall in love with the God that, that I love who loves me. I want him to know God. I show up at the hospital, and there's my church people all over the place already. And I'm like, well, this is my neighbor. Who are all these people up here that I know that know him? What is up with this? And people are holding his hand, and they're weeping with him. They're praying with him. He's crying. They're crying. And I'm like, and, and I'm, I'm giving this, it sounds like it's a sad moment. No, but this is like the most unbelievable moment ever that I walked into. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be his neighbor, but all these my church people are already doing it, getting it done, bearing some burdens that a text message, hey, bro, I love you, would not do. So here's the point. Could it be that God has often put people in your path that he wanted to use you to help them find their way back to God through burying some burdens. So if we're going to get this done, that's how we do it. Ironically, let me just tell you this real quick. Today, I opened up my little Bible app as I do every day. Anybody, anybody get your Bible app this morning and look for the verse of the day? The verse of the today is this. I think this is crazy. It says this in Second Peter 3. It says, the Lord isn't being slow about his promise as some people think no he is being patient for your sake why because he doesn't want anyone destroyed he wants him to repent i think it's crazy you know reason the reason god has not come back yet he's waiting for us and waiting and hoping that every person on this planet would know him before they pass away and before he comes back I thought that was so cool. God, you're, you're sending this verse all over across the world. I think there's like 20 million people that get this every, every day. And the verse of today is exactly what we're talking about. Could it be that Jesus is not here today taking us believers back to heaven with him because somebody who's in, within your sphere of influence needs to know that he can save them, that they can have hope in him, they can have salvation in him. I think that's kind of cool. The second thing I want to give you this morning is, if we're going to get this done, if we're going to be used, if God's going to grow us personally and help someone else find their way back to him for, and, and have eternity with him, the second is this. We're going to have to break some rules. We're going to have to break some rules. And I, and I say that, 
And I know some of you are like, yeah, I'm all about breaking some rules, right? Some of you guys get excited about that. I, and, I, and, I, and I'll be honest, I, there's something in me I, I, I like to break rules too, okay? I'll, I'll be honest, I, in my entire lifetime, have never waited 30 minutes before I dove in a pool, okay? When I was a kid, I ran with a lollipop in my mouth holding scissors, okay? I did, I did sniff lots of magic markers, okay? Not saying that's all good, now you, but now you understand why I am and we are the way we are. But here's the thing. J.D., don't sniff magic markers, okay? All right, but here's the thing. If we're going to do this, we, have, we, have, we can't let barriers be in the way. Sometimes it involves breaking some rules. When we understand the mission, we, when we understand the, the value of the mission, we understand our role in the mission, sometimes we've got to break the rules. Notice what Mark says. Mark 2, four, verse 4. Since they could not get him to Jesus because all the people in the crowd, what did they do? It said they made an opening in the roof. They made a way. When there was not a way, when there was a barrier, when there was something in the way, they made a way, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat with the man to the ground that he was lying on. Now, don't miss this. Don't miss this. I did a little research, found out that roofs then had, had like beams that were every three feet. So three-foot beams, and the roof was a thatch roof that was like 80% manure. And I think this is kind of unique, kind of ironic, that in this church we have a messy church. And if you're going to break some rules to get some people up on a roof, sometimes you're going to have to dr- dig through some stuff, right? Sometimes you've got to get your hands dirty. It can't be a text message. Sometimes you've got to get in the thick of it and get sometimes in the mess with some of your friends to help get them out. Jesus makes this point because there are four committed guys that are saying we are not going to stop at any cost, with any obstacle, to get this dude to Jesus. Why? Because he needs Jesus. So, so picture this. First, they're on the ground. They're showing up. The crowd is in the way. You know they're not prepared. It says that the crowd was there and they had to change gears. So had they known, the crowd wouldn't have been there. But the crowd was there, so they got to shift gears. So they've got to get this lifeless body. He's paralyzed. He can't help them. So I don't know how they get him up there. I don't know if it's uh, two guys on either side. And they're going on three guys. Ready? One, two. I don't know if they throw him up on the roof. They can't paralyze him more. I don't know. I'm just saying how I would do it. All right? But if we got to get the guy up there, maybe it's two on the roof. Maybe we're dragging up. I don't know. They dig through the roof. And it says they lowered him down. I don't know if that's like lay on the roof, arms as low as we can. We just let go. Boom. Jesus, there he is. You've got to talk. You've got to help, right? I don't know how this happens. But the point is this. There are going to be obstacles. There are going to be barriers. There's going to be, there's going to be all sorts of times when you're, on, you're going about your day. And you don't want to be stopped because you're in a rush. And there's going to be that moment where God lays somebody on your heart 
and it means stopping, bearing some, bearing some burdens, and breaking some rules. So my question is today, who, who is it that God's been placing on your heart? Because I've got to think that there is. I've got to think within today's conversation, God has put someone, someone's, someone's mind there's someone on your mind today. I think there's someone God's put on your heart. Maybe it's someone who's going through a divorce. Maybe you had a divorce five years ago. And maybe God's singling you out to be that person that's going to bear some burdens. Maybe you know someone who's got cancer like my friend Matt. Maybe, maybe you and your spouse, man, it is just like mm, gas and oil. And it's not working. Maybe, maybe it's time for you to jump into a small group. Maybe it's time for you to connect with somebody else. Maybe it's, I don't know. But maybe God has placed somebody in your life, your mind, that he wants you to connect him to Jesus. going to have to bear some burdens. You may have to break some rules. You may have to help remove some barriers and say at all costs, we've got to get this guy to Jesus. Why? Because it matters. Why else? Because Jesus is the answer. He really is. He is the answer for everything. All of life's biggest three issues, sin, death, pain, and suffering, Jesus is the answer for all of those. And if you're a Christ follower, we bear the answers. We need to bear some burdens and connect them to our Savior. Let's pray. God, we love you, and Lord, I just, I thank you for the simplicity of today's word. God, just the visual of getting a friend to Jesus at all costs. God, would you let that be us today, tomorrow, every day of our lives. I think about my own children who've prayed for lost friends and prayed them to you. God, I think about my friend Matt. I think about my friend Steve right now. I think about... Uh, Lorna's mom. I think about so many God that I know right now that are suffering, that are hurting, that need a touch from the master. God, would you let us play the role, be the church. God, help us to stop at nothing to connect people to you short of sin. God, we love you. And Lord, uh, and let me just ask this church, with all heads bowed and every eyes closed, let me just ask you today, how many would say, you know, we talked a lot about uh, the people of the church and their role, but how many of you would say today, maybe I'm a guest or maybe I'm, I'm just at a place right now where I would say, I need, I need salvation. I need Jesus. And, and, and I want to make Jesus the leader and forgiver of my life today, and I, I want to invite him into my heart, and I want him to save me today. And Let me just do this. I, I won't call you out, but how many of you just say by just simply raising your hand, Jeff, pray for me. Any, anybody, just jet your hand up. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, I see you, sir. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Just, Pastor, pray for me. Yes, sir. Anybody else today? Pastor, pray for me. I see you, sir. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. I see you. Anybody else? Just shoot your hand up. Pray for me, Pastor. I need Jesus today. God, we, uh, God, we just pause for this, this powerful moment where, where, where we are at a place where we recognize, God, we need you right now. So, Lord, I just offer this up for those that were just bold enough to just say, that's me. 
And God, I ask that in this moment you would, that we would raise our hearts and we would raise our voices and we would just, in our minds right now, just ask you by simply saying, Jesus, would you be my Savior today? God, come into my life. Would you save me? And God, today I want to be yours and I'm asking you to be mine. God, simply put, would you just, would you come and rescue me right now? I need you. And God, we believe as Scripture's promised We believe your scripture is true where it says if we believe in our hearts, we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, scripture says we are saved. So God, we celebrate those that are are new, a part of the family today. We love you, Jesus. Light us up on fire in this church. In your name I pray, amen.